0: So thank you to Sarah and to Lisa and to Carolyn for such beautiful music today I heard them practicing and in my head I decided there was no need for a sermon once you hear such beautiful music But thank you all it was very touching Our scripture reading for today comes from Luke chapter 10 verses 1 through 11 and then verses 16 to 20 Let us listen to God's word to us After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace, to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Jumping down to verse 16. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See? I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Seventy strangers gathered together. Lots of them don't know each other. They heard Jesus speaking somewhere, saw him do a miracle, or heard about his message. And these 70 were just crazy enough to start following him, probably looking for more teaching, more miracles, more Jesus. So they found themselves wherever this is, somewhere between nowhere and somewhere. And Jesus calls a team meeting. Let's huddle up, everybody, bring it in. So there they are, 70 strangers shoulder to shoulder in the desert heat, and Jesus says, you know, I'm sure you're wondering why I've gathered you here today. I've known you guys for a couple of months now. Well, you guys maybe just since yesterday, but I've had time to tell you about the good news of what God is doing, about how, you know, I'm here to forgive people's sins if they'll die to themselves and risk everything to follow me. So I'm going to send you out everywhere that I intended to go because, well, basically, I'm going to die. No worries. It'll be cool. So, yeah, just go out and give them my message. Heal their sick, cast out demons, and good luck. Oh, and one more thing. Don't take any money. Leave your bags. Go ahead and leave your extra sandals too. Also, it's sort of important, so if you see people on the road, don't stop to chit-chat. Yeah, I think that about covers it. Like I said, good luck. Then Jesus divides them up into pairs and sends them out. Which of these is more ridiculous? That This is actually pretty close to Jesus' pep talk or that the 70 actually went. These 70 got paired up and went off to tell total strangers about the good news, to heal sick, and to cast out demons. Luke doesn't include any snippets about their trips, but you have to assume they have some really good stories. Ever asked a total stranger if you can crash on their couch? Me neither, but I'm guessing it goes either really well or really poorly. All this advice Jesus gives the 70, it seems absolutely ridiculous. I read it and think this has got to be the worst pep talk ever. But what's amazing is that at the end of the text, they return with joy. They say, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. So they go out. These 70s start walking two by two wherever Jesus sent them. They walk into town, hungry and dirty, and start sizing up houses. Which house do you go for? Fancy? Simple? Closest? According to Jesus, it doesn't matter. Choose one. If they invite you in, stay. Whatever they give you to eat, eat it. Which is a risky commitment for a missionary. I was on a mission trip to Columbia once, and I sat down to a meal. They considered me an honored guest, which is humbling in itself, but I was there as a representative of God and as a representative of the Cumberland Presbyterian denomination, so I was the guest of honor. They served me a delicacy, cow tongue not disguised, very visibly cow tongue, laying on my plate, looking like it does out of a cow's mouth. But I ate it. I was once in Japan with a youth missions team, and one young man, who's a good southern boy, was struggling to find food that he enjoyed. The host family he was staying with offers to take him to a carnival. He leaps at the chance. Perfect opportunity to find some good old-fashioned American barbecue, right? So he gets to the carnival. He sees kebabs, and he thinks, oh, perfect, some good old-fashioned chicken. He loads up, fills his plate. He sits down. He's so hungry. His stomach is rumbling. First bite, he realizes it's not chicken. It's eel. The host family slides in next to him, sitting right beside him, so not to be rude, not to reveal that he is actually not a fan of eel, he slowly eats the entire plate. My family has far too many of these stories. My dad was in Colombia once, and he was served pig's ear, which is almost like pork rinds. He's looking at it, trying to figure out how you go about eating such a food, where to start. So he picks it up and turns it over, and right there on the other side of that pig's ear is a large wart. (laughs) He holds his stomach in check and did the best he could. My mother, who must be smarter than all the rest of us, when she was served chocolate-covered ants, she graciously accepted them with a smile on her face and then shoved them over to my brother and myself, who were toddlers at the time, so we would eat them instead of her. (laughs) To her credit, if we weren't there, I am sure she would have eaten them. In a week, we'll have a missionary team headed to Guatemala. We'll eat what's put in front of us, probably black beans, rice, and tortillas. I doubt we will get cow tongue or eel or pig's ear, but we will eat whatever is put in front of us, because that is part of the job. There's a reason it's part of the job. When you're sent by Jesus to tell people about his good news, to heal their sick, to cast out demons, your preferences are put on hold. Jesus doesn't send us out to judge someone's culture, to impose our own expectations. So maybe you prefer a simple meal. Maybe you have humble roots and aren't about that fancy stuff. Or maybe if it doesn't come out in two or three courses, it's not really a meal. Wherever you come from, you leave it behind. So you're used to having your own room and air conditioning. Tough luck. Looks like you're staying with four strangers in bunk beds, and your A.C. is a broken box fan. As Jesus might have said, yeah, I think that about covers it. Good luck. But they return rejoicing, rejoicing. That is so remarkable to me, the 70 return rejoicing. When the 70 walked into town tired and hungry, they got invited into someone's house, and they're just supposed to say yes. When they're inside and they realize, well, I guess the two of us are staying in that one tiny room in the corner with one bed, they're not allowed to start shopping around for a more comfortable sleeping arrangement. Because Jesus doesn't want anybody to get the impression that you're making economic differences in the name of God. And when you're there as a Christian, you're there in the name of God. So whether you've got adjustable lumbar support and memory foam pillows or a sofa in the family room, you accept it. Whatever they set before you, you eat it, even if it's eel or cow tongue or an ear with a wart. The missionary says no. They say this couch isn't good enough or this food isn't up to my standards. They're saying no in God's name. Your lifestyle, the way you live, what you eat in God's name, it's no good. So Jesus makes it clear, junk or fabulous, don't reject one or the other because he doesn't want anyone to think we make any racial or ethnic distinctions before God. Not economic, not racial, national, ethnic, not at all. Instead, you take what you get. You learn to be satisfied with whatever you're given, regardless of the welcome you receive. Why? Because you are there to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. You're there to work to heal the sick and cast out whatever demons are haunting their homes in the name of God, which sounds pretty exciting. You can deal with sharing a twin bed or no air conditioning to do that powerful work. The only thing that will stop you from this kind of powerful work is one word, rejection. Brian has a friend who got rejected. It was actually a friend of his, not him. But the story is painful enough that he's never forgotten. There was this girl his friend liked for a while. So he finally works up the courage to ask her out watching her in the hallway, psyching himself up. Then there she is. He walks up to her, nervously asks if she'd go out on a date with him. She looks at him and gives him something called the awkward pterodactyl. What is that, you might be thinking? Well, she looked at him square in the eyes. She raised both hands like wings and made a loud screeching pterodactyl noise i kid you not then she walked away rejection it burns it brings out every insecurity what did i say is it how i looked you start checking your breath you feel like they looked at you all of you and rejected it jesus says it doesn't matter Tell them the good news. Anyway, they gave you the awkward pterodactyl. So what? Tell them that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Treat them with love and care. Anyway, when you put yourself out there and you get rejected, it hurts. It can leave you looking at yourself, wondering about who you are or what you did wasn't enough. This other person sized up what you had to offer, and they decided it wasn't Worth it. I heard a story about a sorority. When young women would walk in wanting to pledge this sorority, someone would have a marker. They'd have you wear a swimsuit. They'd circle areas of your body that you needed to work on. Lose some weight here. Tone these muscles there. Otherwise, you're rejected. You're not enough. The right response there? I think, is to take that marker and circle the other person's face. There is nothing wrong with me. There is something wrong with you thinking you can put that marker on my body. Nevertheless, rejection is powerful. No matter how hard you try, it still sends you home thinking, if I change that, then they'll accept me. Rejection makes you want to change who you are To fit in. Jesus knows this. And Jesus knows we aren't about fitting in. We are from God's kingdom. So we don't fit here. Which is why Jesus says, above all, don't change the script. No matter what they say, you tell them the kingdom of God has drawn near. You tell them my message. That's it. If they reject you, they reject me. If they reject me, they reject my Father in heaven. So, if you're rejected, you go out into the street, you shake the dust off in protest of them, and you remind them, oh, by the way, God's kingdom is drawing near. You take that marker, you circle their face, you can throw me out for bringing the good news, and I will go, but God's kingdom is still coming. I think Jesus knows that rejection is the thing that will stop his message from spreading. Jesus also knows that there are plenty of places, plenty of people that want to hear the good news, so he gives the disciples some sage advice. If you're not welcomed, even the dust of the town that clings to your feet Wipe them off in protest against them. Shake the dust off. Jesus is telling us something. It's not your job to make someone accept him. It's not your job to convince someone of the gospel. It is your job to proclaim it, sometimes
1: a thousand
0: times. But it doesn't depend on you. Some people right now, they don't want it. It's not your job to change their mind. But if you stay there, if you stay in that bed, whatever bed it is, eating that food, it doesn't matter the food, with a person who is rejecting God, you won't see God's power at work. You will not come back rejoicing. You will come back filled with memories of that rejection so if you want to come back rejoicing shake the dust off stop chasing down people and places of rejection because there is plenty of harvest to not sit in the rejection this week is commissioning sunday for our team to guatemala The most important thing we're taking down with us is our identity as children of God. We bring with us the declaration that God's kingdom has drawn near, and we are representatives of that. So we're bringing dental and eye care, we're bringing teaching and games, and we are bringing our character as children of God. We're being commissioned as representatives of this congregation, representatives of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and most importantly, representatives of Jesus Christ. That is a big deal. That pep talk Jesus gave, take no purse, take no bag, take no sandals, no time for chit-chat, you might even face rejection. But the harvest is plentiful. And the laborers are few. I want to end with this. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Tell me if you ever feel this. There's so much work ahead of you, enough to fill all of today and tomorrow and the foreseeable future. You look around and think, shouldn't someone be helping me out? But they're taking a break. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That's saying it takes a village to raise a child. Do you ever find yourself in the middle of too much work wondering where exactly the village is? One child is breaking down. One child is dressed for baseball and needs a ride. Another isn't wearing pants. Where is that village? God feels the same way. God's looking at this beautiful harvest. So many people who need the good news of Jesus Christ, who need some food, who need some teaching, some encouragement, some justice, some expectations. He has hung a help-wanted sign over the doors of the church, a sign that hangs from the window of heaven. And sometimes he's thinking, where is everybody? I think I told them to be here at 3. Maybe I'll give them a few more minutes. Then, with these 70, out of the hundreds and thousands he's preached to, with these 70 in front of him, Jesus gives a pep talk. Listen, I know, I know there were thousands. Everyone agreed it was a good idea to share the good news. Now it's just us, just 70. Don't worry about it. Shake it off. Maybe they'll join us later, maybe not. Either way, it's not your problem. Shake it off, because we have work to do. And the harvest is plentiful. Here's some good news. Others will join us, too. So your neighbor's not here. Others will join. It hurts that your family isn't here. Pray they will join us later but others will too. For now, shake it off because the harvest is plentiful and there is joy to be found in the harvest. But there's two parts to coming back, rejoicing. The first, we work in God's harvest, not our own. The second, we work. We don't just sit back. And watch. That sign is still hanging, help wanted. You may be thinking, I don't want the job. What can I do? I already did my time. Well, here's your pep talk. Go on your way. Find God's harvest. When a door opens, go in. Eat the food and proclaim the good news. When you're rejected, shake the dust off and move on. Because there are ministries, programs, and people that are rejecting you. You can't change that. But there are ministries and programs and people that want the good news, desperately want the good news, labor there, work there. And I promise you, if you do, you will come back rejoicing. Let's pray. Lord, we see your harvest. We see that it's great. We see that it's plentiful. Lord, even in this community, we've seen where there are people that want to hear the good news. We simply ask that you steer us in those directions, that you send us out, and that we might be willing, that we might hear the pep talk as vague as it may be, as hard as the work might be in front of us, and go anyway knowing that your Holy Spirit goes before us and stands beside us. Send us out, Lord, to do the work of your heavenly kingdom. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.